Hi, this is Rabbi Eric Levi. I'm pleased to bring to you Aliyah 6 of the Sidra of Va'et Hanan in the Book of Devarim. Aliyah 6, which begins in chapter 6, uh, verse 4, begins with one of the most famous sections of the Torah, the Shema and Via Hafta, that we all, that we recite twice a day, that is, um, uh, traditional and Orthodox Jews recite twice a day, uh, once in the morning, once in the night, as the text itself will seem to instruct. The section, this section makes up the text of the mezuzot that are ubiquitous on the doors of, uh, uh, on the doorposts of Jewish homes. This chapter is also, the Shema chapter is also one of the four used in tefillin and phylacteries, which are placed on the head and on the arm by Orthodox and traditional Jews. Whole books could be written about the Shema and probably are. So I'll just highlight a few points. First of all, the Shema establishes the mutual identity of God's two primary names. And a name really defines not only uh, how God is called, but the but an attribute of God. The there is the personal national uh, uh, name of God, Yud Yud Hey Vav and Hey, um, and then there is the international, universal Creator of the world, Elohim. Um, and the idea is that 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 these two attributes, uh, these two ways to understand God are really reflections or, or identities. They are the same. They are one and the same. They reflect the same single uh, deity. Uh, the Shema also stresses that deity's unity and singularity. There is no other. His aloneness, as I heard Rav Soloveitchik once refer to it. Any interpretation that asserts anything other than this sentence, Shema Yisrael Adonai Adonai Yachad, um, asserting unity is isogesis, where one imposes his own needs on the text rather than letting the Torah speak for itself. But I digress into issues that I probably had best avoid. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Here, meaning comprehend, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. V'ahavta, I'm sorry, V'ahavta. Et Adonai Eloheinu And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, um, or perhaps uh, heart here means with your mind, your intellect, and all of your soul, or perhaps nafshacha means your life, and with all of your meodecha, your life, which the rabbis understand as meaning financial sacrifice when necessary. Again, there are interpretations upon interpretations, rabbinic laws and oral laws, uh, based on slight variations of the text, and you should look up Rashi and the Ramban and Ibn Ezra, for all the possibilities, but I think the important point that 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 uh, that Moshe is trying to convey here is that up to this point, if you remember from the previous aliyot, it, the idea of uh, Moshe's exhortations have been reflecting about yirat Hashem, the fear of God. If you fear God, you will convey His words uh, honestly and loyally. But I think what's going on here now is Moshe is saying, "Listen, you need to balance this out. There is fear and awe, which is very nice, but there's the other side of the coin as well. One must feel love for God." In order to want to keep his commandments. Uh, by the way, the note, the word vi'ahavta must be pronounced with a stress on the final syllable because that makes the future tense word, uh, word meaning you will love as a commandment. If you pronounce it vi'ahavta, as I mistakenly did at the beginning, it becomes incorrectly a past tense verb and you loved God, which is not the meaning, uh, uh of this, of this section. These words, meaning all the commandments and speeches about to be spoken by Moshe, that is not just the Shema, but everything that comes after this, um, 
everything that represents all of God's laws, um, I command you today, must be on your heart. And again, a heart probably means mind. That is, you need to study these things. You need to ingrain them on your intellect and on your mind. As the next passage explicitly states, V'shinantam levanecha, v'dibarta bam, v'shitcha v'etacha, v'latcha v'aderecha, v'shachcha v'kumecha. You shall teach them, you must teach them to your children and speak about them when you're sitting in your home or traveling on the road, when you go to sleep, and when you get up. All kinds of laws are learned from this, such as the twice daily recitation of Shema, as well as some of the times that one is not required to say Shema. But the plain sense that is that Moshe is, is not referring just to the learning and saying of Shema, but to all of the laws of God. They all need to be studied again and again. The, the, the laws that the Chukim and the Mishpatim that Moshe is about to go into, these things need to be repeated over and over again until they are wrote, until they're understood and appreciated. The word Shinantim, in fact, may come from the word to repeat, uh, since learning was and still is often done by memorization, by repeating. Uh, alternatively, the word Shinantim may come from the word Lishanein, means to sharpen it, but the, the sense is still the same or similar. This is, of course, the command of wearing tefillin. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, um, and they shall be as totafot between your eyes. And oral law identifies this as the head tefillin, uh, even though the meaning of totafot is extremely uncertain. Um, but what we do know is that we have proof as far back as the Dead Sea Scroll community, this is 100 years before the Common Era, that they were, in fact, wearing tefillin, and there's no reason to doubt that this unique law, which causes a person to commit to the study of the Torah, to literally attach it viscerally upon their bodies, uh, not tattoo-like, of course, but literally to place it upon their bodies to inscribe the words of God. There is no reason to assume that Moshe didn't come down off the mountain with just such a thing and taught people how to inscribe God's laws upon their very bodies without going into tattooing or altering the body. You shall inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and gates. Of course, we can't inscribe a whole Torah on every doorpost, so again, this small section serves as a placeholder for the rest, just as it does when we repeat it day and night, since we can't obviously repeat the entire Torah every day and night. The Shema stands as a, a, a stand-in for it. The next section also appears in our uh, in the tefillin, the commandment uh, that is the body of tefillin that uh, that um, uh, Orthodox and traditional Jews wear. Although the focus of this next section is different than the Shema, Moshe here warns the Israelites of a religious complacence that will set in when everything comes up roses for them as they conquer the land of Israel. The Haya. And it will be when the Lord, your God, brings you into the land that is promised to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you what you will get. Those words are have to sort of be interpolated, is great and uh, cities filled with good things that you didn't have to build and houses full of good things that you didn't have to fill them up with and hewn cisterns where water is stored for drinking that you didn't have to hew, vineyards and olives that you didn't have to plant and you will eat and you will be satisfied. And this is, is like a promise. It's a good news, bad news situation. God is essentially guaranteeing that if you keep the mitzvot as instructed in the Shema, all of this great stuff will come to pass. But the bad news is that the potential effect of that kind of near miraculous success or miraculous success is, is forgetting who brought it all to pass. People just take it for granted. So, 
Hishamer l'cha pentishkach et Adonai asher Be careful for your own sake. Hishamer l'cha. Lest you forget the Lord who took you out of Egypt and out of slavery, which really means that you must not forget that He was the one who rescued you. Rather, et Adonai l'vecha tirav otota avodu v'shmoti shava lo telchunach Elohim acharim Elohei amim asher svivotechem ki el kana Adonai l'vecha b'kirbecha it is the Lord, your God, that you must fear. Meaning love, ahava, that, that, that Moshe mentioned, Shema is all very nice, but uh, when things are going really well, one needs to keep a healthy sense of awe and fear. And it is him you must serve, and it is his name you will swear. What that means probably is the swearing that... That was done um, uh, when one makes covenants and one often swore to the gods or the gods served as a witness for those covenants. So God is warning uh, the God, our God, the true God, is warning people off of that mistake. Uh, now, concern number one is obviously that when one forgets God, one drifts right into idol worship. And and today that, you know, today in, in modern times that seems the least of our problems, but that if we forget God's involvement, it doesn't so much lead to idol worship as to apathy uh, or other sins. But back then, because of their different understanding of the way the world works, if they forgot that God was the reason for their success, it was likely that they would turn to a series of gods. Now, returning to the exhortation, don't follow after other gods from gods of the other nations which are around you because the Lord is a zealous God, kana zealous, not jealous, and it is in your midst. Let the wrath of God be stoked up against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the land, meaning either he'll exile you from the promised land or he'll take you out of existence altogether. Uh, again, I said the word kana doesn't mean jealous, like God is some kind of petty lover that gets upset if you turn to another God. The idea here, as stated, is that God is in our midst. Uh, and the act of worshiping other gods while God is enveloped in us is something which is, it ignites. It's like something that causes spontaneous combustion. It's like people who breathe pure oxygen, i.e. God, and light up a cigarette, which would be a metaphor for the other gods, and, and boom, you just can't, it, the situation will not tolerate that. The reaction is is endemic into the situation. So, warning number one is, is don't forget it is God who has done all this for you, lest you think you could start reaching out to some other quote-unquote powers and, and get them to work for you uh, as well or instead. Now, the second warning coming up, this next warning coming up, um, is not to test God. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested him in Masah. Now, Masah refers to Shemot chapter 17, where the first generation travels to Rifidim, and there is not enough water for the whole nation, so they demand God and Moshe give them water. Uh, Moshe says, why are you testing God, and why are you fighting with me? And God instructs Moshe to go to Mount Sinai and strike the rock, uh, which is on top of it, and water comes down to Rephidim, which Moshe does, and the water does come down. Now, the nature of the people's testing of God is not clear there, and therefore it's a little unclear here. The Ralbag says over there that the people uh, could have brought water with them from the first station. That was where Moshe sweetened the waters. Uh, and uh, But since they wanted to continue testing God, um, or perhaps based on verse 7 in Shemot, they wanted to see if God would really keep coming through with, for them over and over, which fits into the kind of self-doubting and troubled psychology that 
that was sort of endemic in the first generation, um, the, the newly freed slaves. Ibn Ezra understands it differently. He says that there were those who actually had water, but they wanted God to produce free water. So you have to decide on the sense of what that test is. Uh, you can look in the various commentaries, and that affects what Moshe is asking them uh, not to do again here. But in any event, regardless of, of what the actual understanding of, of, of to test is, uh, what what Moshe does tell them to do is shamor tishmurin mitzvot adonai lechem ve'edotav v'chukhav asher tzivach. Carefully follow the commandments of the Lord your God and his decrees and statutes that he's commanded you. I think that means that if you just follow the laws, in, it, it, as long as you make sure you're following the laws in letter and the spirit, then you don't need, there will be no desire to test God because things will go well. You'll do the right thing and everything will, will work out. And do what is right and good in the eyes of the Lord in order that he makes it good for you. And when you come into the good land, you will conquer it just as the Lord promised to your forefathers. The promise was that God would drive all of your enemies from before you just as the Lord spoke. Now, even Cosby says something very interesting here. He says the idea of to yashar vatov means don't do mitzvot as a quid pro quo. And that's the test. That is, okay, let's see. God says if I do the commandments, then he'll come through with uh, for us in Eretz Israel. So I'll do the commandments, and let's see if God actually uh, uh, keeps his side of the bargain. That is, do it for hayashar vatov. Do it for the right reasons. Do it because God commands it, and because it's part of your your heritage, your makeup, your your mission. And it will go well for you, but that's not why you do it. And that, perhaps, uh, according to uh, uh, even Cosby, is the unique message in this section. The next section returns to the very important issue, which I discussed back in when we talked about the Sinaitic theophany, that is the overwhelming experience that the people couldn't stand. Now, outside of that first revelation by God, the Torah needed to be transmitted from generation to generation. And therefore, Moshe says ki ish alakha bilkham akhar le mor ma idu vakhukim amashpim ashet siva adnai loheno etchem when your children will ask you tomorrow what are these decrees and statutes and laws that the lord our god has commanded you note the change from our god to commanded you now the greek translation the septuagint gets rid of this whole important discrepancy by just translating our god commanded us that is why would they accept god but not accept the commandments but this loses the essential message, the, the critical message of this section, in my opinion. The children accept, and every generation accepts God as their God. They see with their parents, they, love, they like God. But they know that they weren't at Mount Sinai. They know that they themselves were not commanded by God, these commandments. So they do not understand neither the commandments nor why they have to follow the commandments if God didn't command them. So what Moshe is telling each generation of parents is to repeat is to repeat, to re-inaugurate each next generation's understanding and acceptance of the laws. And the way it's done is as follows. You will say to your children, we who are standing, that is, we were slaves in Egypt. Now, they weren't actually slaves in Egypt, but they have to 
put themselves in that original generation. They have to imagine that they were slaves. They have to role play, that they were the slaves to power in Egypt. And the Lord took us, note the word us, out of Egypt with a powerful arm. And the Lord performed miracles and great, albeit terrible wonders against Egypt, against Pharaoh and against his entire dynasty to our view, meaning we witness it ourselves. Now, really? No. But virtually, they had to imagine that and put themselves in that role and accept that role in order to transmit it to the next generation. Again, Moshe is asking the parents to identify with and to take on the role of that first generation, the one who did see God's theophany at Mount Sinai, who did experience God face to face, at least for the two, first two commandments. The Otanu, the, 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 the older generation should say, Hotsimi Sham Laman Otanu Lanu And it was us that he brought out of there, that is out of Egypt, in order to bring us and give us the land that he promised to our parents. Our forefathers, really. And the Lord commanded us to do these laws and to fear the Lord our God for our own good in every era in order to keep us alive as we are today. And this is why you need to accept them as well, to continue the chain, to keep us all alive every generation in our land. And it will be righteous for us. That is, we will get all the fringe benefits when, and the word key is here, when we make sure to keep all these commandments, or perhaps he's referring specifically to the single mitzvah, all the exhortations regarding how one has to approach the relationship with God, uh, such as the Shema and the Hayakir Viecha, uh, just as he had commanded us so too do we deliver it to you so that when you get older, you can do it once again to your children.